0: Hi guys, hope everyone is well and welcome back to episode 8 of the Improvement Podcast. So this episode is going to touch on leg training mistakes, the mistakes that I see people make in the gym, eh, especially training their legs, but some of them might also transfer over to other body parts. So to start off, quick update on myself. So I've had a D-volume week this week, which just is a week with only one working set per exercise. The intensity still stays the same. And the reason behind doing this is just to drop physical and mental fatigue, which has been pretty successful so far. I definitely felt like I needed it. And if I had done another work, sorry, done another week of training without doing a like D volume week or a D load, then I think I'd just be knackered and I'd just cross the line and just do myself more harm than good because Ideally, I think you want to catch fatigue before it's a big issue. For example, if I just dug myself into a big hole, I'd just have a just poor performing week on my deload week. So on your deload week or devolume week, you can still look to take progressions in the gym. And that's what I've successfully done on like most movements. So if this was a deload week, then If I'd, sorry, if I'd done a deal week next week, then I'd probably just be too fried, too eh, tired and fatigued to do so. So that's the benefit of catching it early. And apart from that, I can definitely, I can definitely see the signs that a deal is needed. Now I know how my body reacts when it's fatigued. So hunger's usually lower. I start to just get tired throughout the day so I wake up, I just feel rubbish, I keep yawning throughout the day etc. And additionally as well as that, my digestion suffers slightly. So jumping into the podcast, the first mistake I see people make is using a mechanical advantage. So what I mean by this is just putting themselves in a position to make exercises as easy as possible. Which you shouldn't really try and do in my opinion. So, eh, I do this myself. I'm not saying I'm perfect, especially because I'm not extremely advanced with training. I've not been training for that long. I've definitely still got a lot to learn and I've still got a lot to improve upon. But I do see a lot of people, yeah, use a mechanical advantage. So this could be having like bent knees and a lot of, involvement of your quadricep during stiff leg deadlifts which is supposed to be mostly hamstring and back and glutes and additionally like being on a leg press and not having a lot of knee flexion from having your feet high on the pad, not on the pad, on the platform if you're trying to train your quads because we know the more flexion you have at your knee the more quad engagement you'll get, simple as that. Additionally if you're Just putting yourself in the best position possible to lift as much weight as possible. That's not, that's not body, that's not building muscle. That's just moving weight. So it's not just about the weight you lift and you shouldn't be attached to the amount of weight you lift because, like, for example, eh, the other day I was on the leg press, I reset the movement, stripped it right back, changed my foot position so it would allow me to go much deeper, get a larger range of motion and a lot more knee flexion and as a result it felt so much better, like my quads felt dead after it, but before that I just felt dead, just physically, just like my whole body just felt knackered just from lifting a lot of weight from A to B, so that means I won't get as much fatigue from the movement, and additionally as well as that it will probably be more beneficial, so yeah, so that's something I think everyone should focus on. It is hard to not have an emotional attachment to like lifting a lot of weight. It is fun lifting a lot of weight, but you've got to remember your goal when you go into the gym is to, well, if, if it is in line with your goals, to build muscle, not move weight. So weight's just a tool to apply progressive overload. That's how I like to look at it. So. Just like how you can use other tools to make things harder, just weight's just one of them. So you should ensure form stays the same because if you sacrifice form for weight, it's just not going to be as quality a stimulus. As long as you're using great form and uh, keeping the, like, control the same, if you're putting weight on it, slowly and surely you'll build muscle. Just as long as you're training to a high intensity, then you're sorted. So uh, yeah, that's something I see a lot and as well as that, something else is range of motion. So a good example, again, is the leg press and I was guilty of this. I wasn't taking it as deep as I could and as a result, it just didn't feel great on my quads. I felt a lot of glutes after the sets. I didn't feel like my quads were burst from the movement and I see a a a lot of people do this on quite a lot of movements in the gym if it's... Like uh, split squats, if it's hack squats if it's like a pendulum, if you can take it through a larger range of motion pain free then I don't see why wouldn't you, so there's no reason why not to Like it's probably going to mean you'll handle less load, yes it is nice handling a lot of weight but you'll probably have a lower risk of injury and you won't become as fatigued from the movement and it'll be a better quality movement as a whole so yeah i think i'm guilty of this as well i'm not just trying to like pick folk apart here that's not what i aim to do with this podcast at all or just uh, just spreading knowledge as a whole i'm just trying to inform people to make better decisions in the gym but i think a lot of people are guilty of this like you see it all the time like from people at all levels of their training it's like if you can put your feet lower down on a leg press, or lower down on a hack squat, or uh, lower down on a pendulum to train your quad without your heels coming up at the bottom, then you should, in my opinion, because like I said, the more knee flexion you get, the more quadricep you'll recruit, and the uh, same stands for like hamstring movements. So like a line hamstring curl or like a stiff leg deadlift, or no, that's a bad example because you need to touch the ground in that, or like a Romanian deadlift. If you're sacrificing how much range of motion you're doing with no rationale behind it, then I think you're missing out on muscle growth. So, fair enough, if you get to, let's say, mid-shin on a Romanian deadlift, and you tend to lose a lot of uh, tightness in your like mid back, lower back, and your back starts round. That could be a justifiable reason not to go that low. But you should try and fix the issue. Practice your bracing and breathing, and just practice getting tighter to fix the issue, and not just use less range of motion forever because that's just not a great habit to get into. Because that's quite a lot of movements you're not going to be able to do if you can't do a Romanian deadlift to full depth. For example, you're probably not going to be able to deadlift effectively, straight leg deadlift effectively, uh, and it just means the amount of weapons in your arsenal, and what I mean by that is amount of exercises you have available are just going to decrease massively. So yeah, that's another one I see, range of motion. And then third is training intensity so training intensity is something everyone can always improve upon it and i hammer this to my clients in every check and so if you're one of my clients you probably hear me eh, ramble on about this all the time as well sleep of course so training intensity yeah like i said we can always improve upon it and that's something i see people slack on with leg training so how you can tell if you're training hard is the speed of your last rep so if you're performing a movement and the last strip looks the same as the first, you've got more in the tank, simple as that. It's not me, it's not me giving people digs, but you have. If you can make the last strip fly up, then it's a good indicator you've got more. So that's something you can use to keep yourself accountable to training hard. How slow was the last strip? And something you can even do is if you're in a safe environment, let's say a leg press and you've got safety pins up, then train to f- Train until the rep doesn't go up again. Train until the weight comes back down on you. If you're in a safe environment, that is, because you're not. You're never ever gonna know truly where failure is if you don't push yourself to it. So that's something I recommend. And uh, it is a bit easier to train to failure on like upper body group, like body parts, like uh, your chest, because it isn't as hard. Like simple as that. It's not as brutal being on a chest press as it is a leg press, simple as that in my opinion. So another way you can uh, look to see how hard you're training is the logbook. So are you progressing on a weekly basis or are you just hitting your last week's numbers? Because if you're relatively new to training, like a beginner, I have been training less than a year, then you definitely can progress on a session to session basis unless you're doing something extremely wrong like not eat for the whole day going into session then you're you're going to be you'll, to be fair you'll probably still be able to progress because you've got that ability as a beginner so training intensity is something massively important and uh one of my clients who started out with me he's managed to he stands out from quite a lot of other startups I've had and his training intensity shown massively because he's been in a calorie deficit losing at quite a fast rate so about 0.6 kilograms a week and he's been progressing logbook a ton and he looks like he's built decent amount of tissue while dieting like his physique's transforming which is really awesome to see so uh, that just shows you it is possible to Not only like maintain muscle but to grow muscle if you're relatively new to training. And yeah so just always try and improve your training intensity. You can never train too hard. And the fourth one is no adductor training or isolation work. So I don't know if you are aware of what this is but if you've ever been on the gyms and you've got the machine where you can close your legs and then the one you can open your legs. The adductor machine is the one that you close your leg, So, it's the hip adductor, it's called, it's extremely valuable because you have those muscles inside your leg going down your groin and if you develop them, your legs look so much better, in my opinion. Your legs just look so much thicker from the front and from the back and I think it just can change the appearance of your legs massively. As a result, I think everyone should... Uh, perform it. I don't see a rational reason why not, unless obviously you're unable to due to injury or something similar to that. But it is a, such a valuable body part to train, and it can also help with uh, your mobility and just uh, remaining like stable on like the big compound lifts if you do it beforehand. So that's something uh, to point towards doing it at the start of the session. I myself do it at the start of the session and I like programming it at the start of sessions as I just feel when you do a doctor, it doesn't take away from like your big compound lifts like the squat or a straight leg deadlift it might ever so slightly but it's not going to make or break your performance but for example let's say you've done walking lunges at the start of your session it's probably going to interfere with the rest of your session and the big compound lifts. So I like to use it at the start and it's a good opportunity to get some blood flowing into your muscles before doing something like a barbell back squat which can be a bit harsher on your hips and knees and uh, sometimes like risk of injury can be higher if you're not warm so yeah that's something and I recommend doing. If you're new to adductor training then the first time you do it don't do like three sets because your adductors will be absolutely toast from not being trained. So just start with one and then If you do that for like a week or two and then they start not really getting sore, move it up to two. And I think a two or three is a good place to be. Uh, It depends how long you've been training and how intense you can train at that current moment of time. And obviously how well you can recover because if you've got a lot of stress in your life, you won't recover as well. So you won't be able to do as much work in the gym. Simple as that. Uh, And I think if you train like two times a week, definitely put it in at start twice. I don't see why not. If you can recover from it, obviously. So, if you're doing three sets and you're really sore going into the session, you could do one eh, in each session or two and one's two in each, something like that. So, you're recovering effectively because if you're not recovering effectively, you're not going to perform your best. So, fifth and final is not focusing on the compound movements. So, you see a lot of people, well I see a lot of people in my opinion doing a lot of isolation work and ignoring the main movements and not really pushing themselves on the main movements like the squat, the like deadlift or the straight leg deadlift, things like that and these have such a big bang for your buck so you get so much out of them and especially as a beginner, I know I spoke about at the start, people using a mechanical advantage so making the movements easier by putting themselves in a stronger position. Yes, you could argue that you're kind of doing that with a squat because it's not just quadricep. It works about, about all the muscles in your leg, but I think you can get away with it and it's a suitable time to do so on like a barbell back squat. So I think these are so beneficial because if you can focus on nailing the barbell back squat, you can nail everything. It teaches you how to brace. It teaches you how to push yourself. If you can take yourself to failure in a barbell back squat, then you probably will with most other movements because I don't think there's much harder than a barbell back squat. Because once you get strong at it and you're doing like a set like five to nine and you're like on rep seven, you feel absolutely crushed. Even like unracking the weight once you get strong in it, it, feels like it's gonna crush you. So it is very very character building, and I think that's kind of important in programming. So even if something's not quote unquote optimal for building muscle like uh, let's say drop sets on leg press or doing like a big rest pause set which is basically doing a set five deep breaths then doing a set again I think something important is to push yourself and to yeah just do movements that are character building because if it will let you develop your training intensity training you'll then Yeah, you'll be able to train harder, closer to failure, get more out of each movement. And yeah, like I said, if you can do it on the barbell back squat, you can probably do it on anything. So as well as being able to practice your bracing on the barbell back squat, you often, you'll often come into tech, like technical faults, like uh, your hips shooting up first or not being able to balance well and that helps address it which will help with other movements in the gym so if you can maintain good position on a barbell back squat then it's going to be a piece of piss when you're in a more stable environment like a hack squat or a smith machine squat which is something very valuable. So lastly the other thing that I think focusing on big compound movements are like uh, it helps with your mobility so I think it's good to be able to do a barbell back squat and movements like that because if you can't do a barbell back squat then you've probably got a problem with your mobility if you can't get into the bottom position. So obviously people's like leg lengths play a part in how how uh, how able they will be to fit in the bottom of a barbell back squat with good form. But it means you'll ensure your form's good if you can do it correct, not sorry, it will be able to make sure your mobility is good if you can perform it correctly and I think this is important as if you're neglecting your mobility and you know you have mobility issues if you're just not facing them by going on machines where you can get proper depth what are you going to do when you don't have a machine available to use, let's say you go on holiday, you want to train or you need to move somewhere which only has a limited amount of equipment in the gym and then you've only got like a squat rack and also like dumbbells what are you going to do are you just going to do like lunges forever probably not you're going to want to squat so that's another big benefit of it and yeah as well as being a big bang for your butt movement like the like the straight leg deadlift if you do it to failure you'll notice your hamstrings your glutes your lower back your upper back musculature and your traps everything's on fire by the end of the set, everything gets taxed. So, instead of having to do three exercises at the end of your session, one for your upper back, one for your erectors and uh, one for your hamstrings, you can just get away with doing one movement because at the end of the day, not everyone can spend a very, very long period in the gym. And regardless if you can or not, there's only there's only so much time where it's just you feel like you're just wasting your time in the gym. For example, if you're doing like a normal session plus three other movements on top of that because you're not doing uh, a deadlift variation, then I, I don't think the quality of the work at the end is going to be that great. So it is a good time saver as well. And the same applies to uh, like a deadlift variation. If you can maintain good form on a stiff leg deadlift and not let your background and maintain good positioning, then you can probably do that if you're Performing a bent over row or any other movement where you have to support your body weight. So, yeah, I think it's massively beneficial. And it's just good for just overall, like, health of your lower back as well. If you're never supporting your lower back, I'm sorry, if you're never challenging your lower back for like a deadlift or a squat, then you're probably not going to have a strong lower back at all. So, I think, if anything, your risk of injury is going to be higher if you've got a weak lower back. Simple as that so weak things break, simple as that in my opinion so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast if anyone's got any topics you'd like me to cover of course just let me know and if you're listening on iTunes please leave me a rating and review if you're listening on Spotify please follow me and lastly if you're listening on YouTube please subscribe and like and comment, it would be massively appreciated and thanks for tuning in again